Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Welcome aboard, everybody, on this episode of Imposter's Guide to Gaming. You guys can expect a little bit of Mario Kart, maybe some devilish, devilish bad guys make you excited, and Outlast 2, I don't know, some Call of Duty news, eh, and a whole bunch more, so stay tuned. And then I'm taking you back to the past with Matt's Indie Game Showcase. Now let's check out what's on the shelves for you guys. Top 5 Releases The game we got here is a scary, scary first-person survival horror video game, and that is Outlast 2. It was a Released on April 25th, 2017. Developed and published by Red Barrels. This game is the successor to the original Outlast, obviously. It was released on the PC, Mac, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. This game takes place in the Arizona desert. You're a man looking for his wife, and you find yourself amidst a whole cult of uh, psychopaths and bad things and bad people. If this sounds like something that attracts you... Come on in. I hear it's a terribly scary game. Number four this week, we got Sniper Ghost Warrior 3. That dropped on the 25th of April for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Again, the continuation of the long-running Sniper Ghost Warrior series. I've always wanted to get into it, but have never really had the chance. The games kind of get average to mediocre reviews, but if you are a sniping fanatic and you really love popping heads, this is the newest hotness for you. Number three, we've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. It was released on April 28, 2017 for the Nintendo Switch. It's basically Mario Kart 8 just deluxified. And if you guys are interested, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about it. It was developed and published by Nintendo. Number two, we got Puyo Puyo Tetris, a crossover game of the Puyo Puyo series and the Tetris series. Who would have thought? Developed by Sega and Sonic Team, this dropped on the 25th of April as well for the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch. Apparently this game came out in 2014 in Japan, only now making its way to America. So if you love puzzle games like I do, definitely grab this one up. And at number one this week, we've got What Remains of Edith Finch. This was published by Annapurna Interactive and developed by Giant Sparrow, the same folks who brought you Unfinished Swan. This game was released on 4-25-2017, and it follows in the same footsteps as uh, Gone Home, Firewatch, and uh, any other of those walking simulators. But, from what's said, it's a spin. Whoa! And if you want to hear more about it, go ahead and stay tuned, because it's one we're going to talk a little more in depth about. Number five. So first up this week at number five, a very special Matt's Indie Game Showcase. I'm not really sure how to frame this game for you guys because I don't I don't want to say the premise right off the bat because I probably can't keep a straight face while talking about it, and I know you won't be able to once you hear what it is. But I saw a Kotaku article about this one. I think it was a little bit early last week, and it really piqued my interest, and I went and watched some gameplay of it on YouTube. And the game itself looks fantastic. This is a small text-slash-ASCII art-based indie horror-slash-suspense game by a guy named James Earl Cox III. I think there's another person who does the art and another person who does more of the game design. So a small three-person team. It's a small indie game. You can find it on Itch.io. And I think it was just on Steam Greenlight, but I'm not 100% sure uh, when exactly that's going to be fully on Steam, if it is now or not. 
It's been making the rounds in the indie circles for the past maybe six months or so, so it's not exactly a new game, but it's the first I've heard about it, and it's really an interesting concept. The game itself is called You Must Be 18 or Older to Enter, and basically the the conceit of this game is you're a kid in the 90s who has heard about porn for the first time, so you're nice. so you're basically at home on your old 90s PC trying to look that up and figure out what it's about while your parent is out of the house. What are we making games about anymore, Matt? <laughs> I don't even understand. <laughs> the entire game is basically... I, I don't want to say too much about it because I'm not sure how how many endings this game has got, how much you know, how much real depth this game is. But it is a free download off of Itch.io, as far as I can tell. Uh, Kotaku said it was pay what you want, but it didn't ever ask me to pay for it. It just said, "Hey, here's a download link." But the main conceit of this game is, like I said, it's a very suspenseful slash almost like horror game in the way that they frame it because. Uh, 90% of the game is just totally silent. The only sounds are the computer, you know, what comes out of the computer, and anything that may be happening in the world around you. So the the main gameplay mechanics are you you have certain things you can do, you know, look for a certain site, look for certain things on the site, and then there's there's always four choices you can make of what to look for, and then the fifth choice is always look behind you. And so, like, as you're going through and seeing stuff, and it's actual pictures, but it's using ASCII art, so you can't really see anything, but you kind of can. Mm-hmm. And they said that's kind of, you know, framing how you first would be when you're looking at this kind of thing. You're not really sure what's what and, you know, how this is going. Mm-hmm. But then what what I've seen of, of the gameplay videos I watched is that, you know, something really big will happen, and then the, like, the look behind you prompt will get huge and there'll be, you know, some loud noise or something. And it's, oh my God. It's again, really suspenseful and really just, I mean, let's be honest for anybody who was, who remembers those times back in the nineties when the internet was first happening and you were first finding things on the internet before everybody had a phone and you could look up anything you wanted anywhere in the world at any time. Well, and don't forget and had 4g internet as compared to old dial-up. So even if you were looking at something you weren't supposed to be when you was a younger lad or gal, you know, for that matter, mm-hmm. you'd go, oh, my God, Mom, Dad's home. Click the X button. Get it off. It didn't just get off, okay? You, mm-hmm. you have to remember there was a time that it took just to go, oh, you want me to close? Sure, I'll start to close and begin to close and then slowly close. Yeah. So, yeah, there was... A lot to be factored in in those days, whereas nowadays everything's instantaneous. So it was, it was a really suspenseful slash interesting time, and that basically t- this game basically takes you back to that. I would say if this game sounds interesting to you, normally I would say go check out some gameplay videos of it. But for this one, it's you know it's a small indie game, so I'm not sure you know how much depth there really is to it. I I watched two gameplay videos myself and it they both had the same ending or they both ended the same way i'm not sure if there are different endings if checking out the different websites in the game give you different options or different you know events to happen in the room i I would say watch like a uh, like one of their trailers that they've put out like like a a 90 second trailer or something and going against what you said play this with with no headphones on have your speakers up really loud because they said they developed it specifically to give you the kind of feelings that you would have if you were that kid in that scenario. I don't want to give away too much more than that, but really an interesting game. I'm all about these like small, 
narrative, unique experiences, uh, stuff like, you know, the Stanley Parable, anything by Crows, 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 little, like I said, small narrative games with a unique premise. So go ahead and check that out. Again, it's free. It's a free download on itch.io, and it may be coming to Steam sometime in the near future. Number four. So in the number four spot, we've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, as I promised you guys. Uh, just to recap, it was released April 28th. It is for the Nintendo Switch. It was developed and published by Nintendo, of course. This is the same Mario Kart 8 you got if you have the Wii U. If you guys are wondering what's different about the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe from its original, it's or I should say from its predecessor, <laughs> let me tell you a few things. There are some new characters. Ooh, King Boo, Dry Bones, Bowser Jr., Inkling Boy, Inkling Girl, and the secret one you get for completing all the cups in 200cc mode. I'll let you guys figure that out on your own, just in case that's a spoiler that would upset somebody. Uh, they also, in the deluxe version, went ahead and opened up all maps, all characters, right from the word go. The only thing you actually unlock now by completing uh, the maps, besides that super secret one in the 200cc, is going to be your hang gliders, kites, balloons, etc., your wheels, and then, of course, your cart uh, body type. So look forward to that. It's a ton of fun. Speaking of new carts and whatnot, they've went ahead and added the Splat Buggy, Ink Striker, Koopa Clown, and the Super Glider. All those corresponding to the four new characters they introduced, obviously. And a couple new features. I'm not going to list them all because there's quite a few of them. They went ahead and put in the dual item capacity, which is one I was super interested in. It kind of oh, yeah. brings me back to my Double Dash days, which I think is the best Mario Kart there ever was. And you know mm. what? You want to fight? We can fight, because I'm in that camp. Double Dash was the bomb. Don't start with me, Matt. I enjoyed Double Dash, but I think that was about the time when I didn't have a lot of local friends to play it with. So in my mind, it was a great game, and I enjoyed it, but I played it primarily by myself versus the N64 Mario Kart. Me and my buddy Ben would have epic wars for weeks on weeks on weeks on weeks to to determine who was the best. So, you know, that that one's still number one in my mind. Double Dash was a great game. I just didn't have the full... I didn't experience the full potential of it, is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get that. I understand that. So a couple other things they introduced was the Super Drift Boost, and that's if you keep on drifting after your cart sparks turn blue and then orange, they'll turn a light purple and go into a bigger speed boost when released. So that was pretty cool. I'd use boost, but it's not a big thing for me, so I was like, eh, cool. They went ahead, and this is one I want to point out and talk about just for a minute, is smart steering and auto acceleration. They added both of these into this game, which I think is fantastic, because now my four-year-old daughter can play this game, because she's going to beat the race every time, no matter what, because the game's going to automatically take her to the end. But it gives her enough control to where she can throw her items out and have fun, you know, kicking butt, taking names. She can steer... It's just kind of an odd steering because I played on it, and I'll tell you guys why I played on it for a minute in just a second. But it does have some steering, but like I said, it's going to kind of auto take you to the end regardless. So you have to fight the steering. So it's kind of a an evolution of the super guide that they've had in New Super Mario Brothers and all, and all those other games. Or Super Mario 3D World, I think, had it too, where if it's too tough, it'll just kind of take you through and do it for you. Mm-hmm. Which, like you said, again, great for kids, so you're not stuck and frustrated and just going, ah, it's stupid, ah, I don't even understand. Exactly. Now, the downside to that, though, is they went ahead and defaulted with the smart steering and auto acceleration on. This, I think, was a mistake. 
because I got into the game and I was super excited to play. My kids are jumping up and down, going bananas. I have no time to figure out, obviously, how to turn it off, what to do. And so we get going, and all of a sudden, I'm whack, going whack job over here, trying to control my car and do what I want, and it keeps uh-huh. just pushing me to the left. You know, and I'm getting annoyed as I'll get out. Why does this dang thing keep pushing me to the left? I don't want to go left. And, of course, I let go of everything, and, oh, it's on. So I go ahead and look it up, and, oh, Nintendo decided to default with it on. To turn it off, you have to go into the options while in the match and then turn it off manually, but then after you turn it off, it will stay off. So there is that. Okay, good. But for all of you out there, if you're picking it up and you're wondering, yes, it will automatically be on, so if you don't want it on, which if you're an adult who has thumbs and fingers, I'd advise you turn it off, but, you know, hey, to each their own. Hey, man, there, there's that guy from Nintendo Power who can play with his feet. He probably doesn't want it on either. That's true. He doesn't have thumbs or fingers. That's true. That's true. I'd advise you turn it off because it's going to interfere with the gameplay a lot, but it is a fantastic option for the little ones and those with some disabilities uh, that still want to check it out. Mm-hmm. So some other things they went ahead and added, or changed, I should say, was that you have 1080p resolution when you're playing in TV mode now versus 720, which was on the Wii U, and then you have 720 resolution on the handheld mode versus 480p when using on the when using it on the Wii U gamepad. They went ahead and updated the menu graphics a little bit, and then uh, changed around some animations just slightly. And lastly, they brought back the battle mode arena maps, which were missing from the Wii U version. So everybody's rejoicing, everybody's happy, because no one really dug going ahead and going into battle mode using the racetracks themselves. And now everybody gets to go back to some of the cooler, older arena-style maps. However, Block 4 is not there, which has everybody crying and screaming. Yes, exactly. But I say, eh, it was a good one, but not the best one. So get over it. We'll be fine. No, it was the best ah, one. Ah, whatever. That's the one from the N64 game. Yeah, right? where there's a tri-level. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. See, man, man, see, again, that, that was the best one because that was the one me and my buddy Ben were on all the time, and then we'd have occasionally his little sister and her friend that we would just destroy and just... <laughs> all right, now it's down to one-on-one, dude. Hey, don't hit me with your bomb car. No! Stay, go hit your brother! Ah! The N64 version has a huge case of rose-colored glasses, though. I've actually recently went back and played that one, and it is not good. It is not good. No, it's good. No, it's good. Oh, wow. Well. You can't tell me. You can't, no. I'm going to lie and say that I went back and played it yesterday, and it was freaking phenomenal. It was the greatest thing I've ever played in my Did whole life. Did you actually play it yesterday, so really? Totally, yep. You're lying to me, man. You can't prove That's me wrong. That's true, I can't. Yeah, man. <laughs> I can't prove <laughs> But I know you probably did not. Persona oh, 5 is going to, you know, that's in your life. You can't. Oh, gosh. I dressed him up in Mario characters, <laughs> in, my, in Mario costumes in my head. So those are the new changes you can expect out of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I personally do have it, as you guys have guessed by now, and I am enjoying the hell out of it. I love it. The kids love it. The wife, I'm still getting in there and trying to drag her in and get her hooked. She keeps saying she's going to do it, but uh, we're working on it. If you have a Switch, I would 100% recommend you pick up this game because there's going to be an infinite amount of time of fun to be had. Definitely sounds like the definitive version of Mario Kart 8. Number 3. 
So number three, I'm back with a much more normal game, a much more mainstream game. This is Call of Duty World War II. We got the reveal trailer for this last week. Again, it's by Activision, of course, and Sledgehammer Games. Basically, as you heard in the title, going back to World War II, got some certain thoughts on that specifically a little bit later after I tell you the you know, all the other details. Kind of going back to their roots, they said there will be no health regen in this game, so you can't be like Johnny super badass like you were in all the other ones where, oh, I just took an RPG to the face, let me hunker down for like two seconds. All right, I'm back to full health. Like I said, going back to their roots, and from what I've heard from a GameSpot video discussion, from what they were talking about that they heard and saw behind the scenes, Activision's kind of trying to dial it back and be a little more serious in this one you know, kind of more like respectful of the actual time period and the people who were there, kind of less like exciting, you know, kind of like bro exciting, look at big giant explosions, wee, this is fun and crazy cool, kind of dialing it back to be more more of a serious tone for this one. Obviously, if you watch the trailer, you're an American soldier in a squad. Uh, it seems like you'll be, you know, dealing more with like interpersonal stuff between these squaddies, you know, different personalities and stuff like you do in, you know, good good war movies. But you'll also be splitting time between that soldier and a female French resistance fighter who is going to be more your sniper character. I, I think they said they were kind of going for a, a modern warfare is all gillied up, big sniping missions with her. So that should be fun. As far as the rest of the campaign, it looks like you will hit all of the big beats, or a lot of the big beats from World War II. looks like you will be doing Normandy and D-Day. Uh, they said they'll also be doing the Battle of the Bulge and a couple other major battles. Can't remember them off the top of my head, but uh, you know, go check out some people's recaps of that if you want to hear some more specific battles. As far as multiplayer, they said they're going to be doing some new stuff with that. There's going to be a multiplayer social space or hub, kind of like they were saying, kind of like Destiny's Tower, where you can run around with other actual players and meet up and get into games and stuff. Not really sure how that's going to work as far as Call of Duty, because we've never had anything like that before. But they said they're speculating that you'll be able to like create a character, you know, with a unique look and stuff, so you can run around in that area. They said they will have create a class back, just like all Call of Duties pretty much have nowadays. The multiplayer will have a narrative war mode, so I don't know if they're kind of going off of what Battlefield 1 had, where there was a succession of battles and then like a little bit of story bit in between each of those, depending on which side wins here or there or what. We did get a teaser image of a zombie wearing a Nazi helmet, so everyone's speculating that Nazi zombies will be back, and why wouldn't it be back? That was the biggest hit from World from World at War back in the day, and you can have it be full-on Nazi zombies again right here in World War II. It was II. basically a confirmation that's going to be part of the multiplayer um, yeah. shindig. So. On PC, I know they've been piecing them out. Like You could buy the single player, you can buy the multiplayer, and you can buy the zombies, I believe, or you can buy the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. So if you're just a Nazi zombies nut, definitely keep a lookout for this one as well. The release date will be November 3rd of this year. And they said if you pre-order it now, which I have mixed feelings about pre-orders, but whatever, they are going to be doing a closed beta for this one. So if you pre-order, you can get into that. I think that's the best weapon you can have, honestly, when it comes to the pre-orders. We won't discuss that today. Maybe that'll be a topic for another day. But mm-hmm. closed betas are definitely the biggest attractor to a pre-order, for me anyway. If I wasn't going to pre-order a game, getting in on the closed beta is pretty much what would sell a pre-order to me. I mean, I've, I've gotten a lot of collector's items and stuff that just kind of go away, but if you can get me in the game early so I can get get my hands on it, figure out what it's going to be, I really love that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. 
Now, the only other talking point I wanted to bring up in this is as soon as everyone announced that it's going to be World War II, everyone threw their babies in the air, threw their hats in the air, and were like, yay, finally, I've been wanting World War II forever. And I'm old enough that I remember back when they moved to Modern Warfare in Call of Duty 4, where everyone was like, finally, no more World War II, I'm sick of it, I hate it, yeah! And now the roles are just completely reversed. So... What do, you, what do you think about that, Eric? I'm ecstatic that they're going to go back to the old school way of doing things because mm-hmm. I kind of fell off when it get, went into Modern Warfare and whatnot. I played Call of Duty and stuff back back in the days. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then, of course, played some Brothers in Arms, played some, you know, Battlefield, the old school Battlefield, all based mm-hmm. in Vietnam and World War II and all those good, good yeah, and all the older style places. When it moved on, I wasn't interested anymore, and now it's moving back. I am interested once again. However, I think World War II, for me anyway, is still played out. I still feel tired of that particular war. When Battlefield 1 announced it was doing World War 1, that got me excited again. Because I was like, Mm. okay, no one touches on World War 1. This will be something neat. This will be something different. This will have still that old school feel. But it'll be from different perspectives and and have obviously different weapons and ways of going about your business. And it did. Mm. It was awesome. And now I'm like, well, this could be cool, but why couldn't they do, like I've told you before, the Korean War? Oh, yeah. Nobody touches that. And yes, there weren't a whole ton of battles and there wasn't a huge amount to pull from, but there's enough to make a video game from. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. When they said World War II... Like I pretty much just said, I kind of went, ah, why why are we going back to this again? Because I've played Call of Duty 1, 2, 3, all World War Two. I played Medal of Honor 1, 2, Allied Assault, the Pacific one that was pretty much crappy. That's that's all World War Two. I've played Battlefield 1942 and 1943. That's all World War Two. I've played, I've played the Brothers in Arms games, 1, 2, and 3 in the DS one. That's all World War Two. I've played enough of World War II. I've stormed the beaches at Normandy how many gosh darn times. Uh-huh. I've fired an M1 Garand and a Thompson submachine gun a million billion times. I really liked when they went to future slash like kind of like weird super tech future modern modern warfare times. I really enjoyed that. I thought it gave the developers room to like stretch their legs with unique things. Now we got jump packs. Now we can run on walls. Now we got all these other cool things. So... I mean, I'm I'm not really excited about the World War II theme just because I've done it so many times, but the trailer does look fantastic. It looks beautiful. It looks intense and gritty and, you know, visceral and really cool. So, I don't know. I, I'm not a big Call of Duty guy anyway, so I might pick this up on a discount six months to a year after it drops. But, yeah, if it sounds interesting to you guys, go ahead, check out that trailer. I will say, though, that I feel like there's, like, maybe two like little tiny five-second scenes that look like they're actually somebody playing gameplay versus in-game cutscenes. So take that for how you will. I mean, it is just a trailer. And trailers have been known to uh, deceive. to deceive people. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, go check that out. If you're a diehard Call of Duty nut, you've already pre-ordered it. You're not even listening to me talk about it. So go check it out if you guys are interested. Oh, yeah. You know, the millions and jillions of people have already got it. Mm-hmm. That's all right. It's called duty, and that's expected. Number two. 
At number two, we've got What Remains of Edith Finch. This is for the PC and PlayStation 4 only. As I said before, it was published by Annapurna Interactive and developed by Giant Sparrow. It was released on 4-25-2017. Thus far, people have been giving out positive vibes about this game. And as I stated earlier, it is a walking drama type game. You know, what, what do the kids call it, Matt? Uh, you know, the... Oh, yeah. Well, I- I think the crappy kids call it a walking simulator. A walking simulator. I I would call this a narrative-focused game. I would call it. Because you're in it for the story. You're in it for the experience. An interactive story is better Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's a lot like Firewatch. So you're Edith Finch, and you're coming back home after some time has transpired, and your whole family's dead, okay? So basically... Hey, spoiler alert. Come on, that's not That's the whole premise of the game. You're coming home, and you're going to rummage through the house, and Edith, through Edith's eyes, you're going to hear the stories as you find the journals and the pictures of the different family members of how they died. And supposedly there's been a curse on the Finch family for a long, long time, and throughout the game you're going to either figure out if that's true or not true. And what I find really neat is once you get to the house and you start going inside, it, the game guides you as he's you know, interactive stories tend to do, but there's like little puzzles and you got to figure out how to get into the different rooms. And then once you're into those rooms, it'll be like, you know, Bobby's room. And then you start to figure out what happened to Bobby through a really cool, like interactive story where, you know, for example, one of the first ones you'll find the uh, kid, you know, eats some bad food, starts to go outside, says he's a, a cat, you know, and jumps through the branches chasing a bird, and then lands and turns into something else, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I won't elaborate. But it's just a lot of fun. It's very imaginative. The coloring and the lighting is really well done. Are you kind of living these last moments via the, the person's imagination? That's exactly it. The whole story's about death. And about uh, just kind of coming to terms with it, you know, seeing it through the imagination and telling of Edith. But okay, like I said, she picks up these journals or whatever and then kind of reads them and then ter- interprets them. Ah, okay. So you're getting it through her eyes, but she's reading or looking at the, you know, descriptor of how it happened. Mm-hmm. So if it's the truth, we don't know. You know, that's part of the whole story. As you go through, you find out. I've watched a whole bunch of gameplay. And it does have a lot of, and it's been stated in some reviews, a lot of Lovecraftian vibe to it. Mm-hmm. It just feels otherworldly. Like the whole game just seems so real, but then everything's just so strange, not quite right. Everything's just off in that Yeah, just way. off enough to where you're like, well, this is really cool, but weird, and I don't know what's going on here. Nice. And another neat factor is like right in, right when you get inside the house... All the doors are like sealed mm-hmm. and they have peepholes. So you can peep into these people's rooms and then see what's inside. And there'll be like a little blurb about that individual and whatnot. So mm. you get a teaser to all the different stories nice. that you're going to get to check out once you figure out how to traverse through the house, finding the secret doorways, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Yeah. Some criticisms that I heard about this game were that the story itself. Doesn't quite hold together. There's some discrepancies that uh, come and play that make it, if you really pay attention, it adds up to kind of annoy you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if you're just going to go in and have fun from everything I hear, it's a beautiful, beautiful story, tons of fun. 
Edith pans out to be a decent character, but like I said, that is part of the problem. Is they say you never get where you want to be with her at the end mm-hmm. of it. And obviously, I don't even know the ending because I haven't played it yet. I was but, gonna say, but but that also kind of ties into Lovecraftian themes because it does. Your characters, no spoilers for books from you know almost a hundred years ago, but those characters never really end up where you want them to be because they're dealing with all these weird otherworldly things. So, again, I haven't played it. I don't know the ending either. But I mean, that just kind of makes sense. And not only is that Lovecraftian. That's the real world. Uh, things don't pan out like you want them to be. Mm-hmm. She's not going to be what exactly you want her to be. Exactly. Uh, makes sense to me. Yep, I agree. Lastly, on this particular title, I just like how they went into that whole genre, as I mentioned earlier, of just you know death and how you take it and how you interpret it and coming to terms mm-hmm. with it. And how each of these stories is, you know, Edith's, one of Edith's family members, some she may not have known very well, some she might have known very well. But how they died, what this curse means to her and how it's affecting her, and how, mm. of course, it affected the family, or well, supposed curse, I should say. And I just find interesting that entire that entire story plot that they've put into this game. And I was on the fence about getting it, but after watching a couple of Let's Plays and, of course, reading some of the reviews, it's one of those ones I think I got to sneak in somehow to the, uh, uh-huh. the budget. Because you can... Obviously, being a narrative story type game, you're going to be able to get through this one in, you know, a few hours, you know, no yeah. problem, probably. So that's one I think I can sneak into without getting into too much trouble and interrupting some of my bigger games that I'm supposed to be finishing. I was say, or you can grab it up on sale. It sounds like another one of those games that would be good for a PS Plus free month. Obviously, many months down the road now, but, they, you know, they do a lot of that not super big giant games but they like to do smaller games kind of like this one and i'll just say just to end it out i really can't overstate how each room and each area inside that house is very distinct and very unique to whatever character it is so each little story is very 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 creative and the way it's told and what happens to that particular individual so it's not like you're gonna get a whole bunch of the samey type stories over and over and over again now is it is the art kind of themed differently for each room too? Like different art styles, or is it just kind of like the? Uh, no, just personality. Okay. So well, each well, still, each individual cool. was very distinctive, and of course, it's kind of in some rooms it looked very goofy, overstated in a way. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I one room in particular uh, had whales and water everywhere, and you know all sorts of on the walls, mm-hmm. and it was an adults' room. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, well, this looks really cool, and this really kind of brings you into this mood about this individual right away. Mm-hmm. But an adult would never have a bedroom that's covered in whales and water and all sorts of goofiness. You know, it's like, oh, it's a good, okay. good thing you've never been inside my room then, I'm just saying. Oh, well, all right. And that's true. Well, I shouldn't stay there. Maybe a lot of adults do have goofy, weird things in their room, and I'm and, just a and, boring guy with a <laughs> regular old room. The only other thing I was going to say is, I mean, you said the whole, you know, you're you're viewing this whole thing via Edith's, her perception of everything. So maybe uh-huh. these rooms aren't really what they look like, but it's influenced by how she views what this person was. I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh, man, Again, who knows? Oh, boy. Maybe the house isn't even a house. Maybe you're just in, like, a cave and you're a crazy person. Well, actually, you might be onto something there. Maybe she's actually in a psych ward because that's what happened to her. 
And she's thinking about her whole family in these imaginative, weird terms of going back to this crazy-ass house with these very distinct rooms, etc. See, it could happen. Never know. If you want to know, check this game out. PlayStation 4, PC only. So my Xbox One friends and Switch friends are obviously out of luck on this one. But uh, I can tell you from doing my little homework, I want it. And it looks pretty darn cool, so I recommend checking it out. Number one. To finish up this week, we've got Nintendo's new 2DS XL. It was announced and confirmed and all those other good things. Waka, waka, waka. So we've all had and heard of Nintendo's handheld and its million iterations. Ah. <sighs> So yeah, I'll go ahead and give you know the briefings real quick, and we can have a little discussion on this one. Okay. The new Nintendo 2DS XL will be hitting store shelves in the U.S. on July 28th and in Australia and New Zealand on June 15th. It will be costing 150 bucks American dollars and 200 if you're in Australian land. So that's a very nice price range. Oh, yeah, definitely. And according to Nintendo, it will be able to transfer save files, all that other good stuff from any other Nintendo 3DS family member. So that's a plus. So if you're like, hey, I'm tired of my 3DS and it's crazy 3D graphics, I want a 2DS XL, bam, you can do it. You can transfer everything over. There's that, not that much makes, to say. That makes, zero, that makes zero sense, Eric. <laughs> yeah. That makes no sense. I, I uh, feel like I feel like this is going. Hey, you have this old 2DS. Maybe upgrade to this one. Move your saves from there. Because uh-huh. if you have got a 3DS XL, why would you? Why would you? Ever, whatever. Anyway, we'll hey, talk more about we'll that. We'll talk in a about minute. it. Yep, in just a moment. So there's not much else new to say about that, except for the fact that uh, it's going back to a clamshell design. Like the actual 3DS, not like its you know predecessor, the original 2DS, which was. Mm-hmm. Made for a much younger audience. They were hoping to get kids who would break the actual 3DS and then convince moms and dads to buy them the 2DS. So it's more like a, you know, just a blocky, sturdy tablet type, you know, looking Mm -hmm. thing. This one goes back to its 3DS looks, but it does fix one particular issue that was brought up in a few reviews, and I agree with wholeheartedly. The bottom screen is now inverted instead of up, like it is on our, on the old 3DSs. So it can no longer scratch the top screen if you push too hard on the 3DS when it's in its you know folded state. Oh, you're saying it's more like concave instead of sticking out. Yes. Oh, okay. So it's you know actually underneath the plastic. You know what I mean? Slightly oh, yeah, below yeah. it. So that way, yeah. that way it's not pushing up. So if you squeeze down, you're not gonna get a little imprint now on the top screen like you hmm. could with our the other 3DS models. Huh. I I never I never noticed that because I never squeeze my 3ds together but well, I hey, if, if it was a known that. issue then mm-hmm. good on them for fixing it so they changed that they uh put the sound somewhere else on there i'm not quite sure but it's not in its old location it's mm. a little bit lighter than the 3ds and obviously its top screen no longer has a 3d function it is all just two 2d screens and there you go that's what you get so okay. we'll go ahead and discuss a little bit on you know first off do we think this was something they should have done I would say, uh, as I usually do, I would say yes and no. I feel like the original 2DS design was not a very good one. Like, having it just be like a tablet out there so you can't ever close it up to keep the screens from getting scratched from if you throw it in your car or your backpack or, you know, your whatever. I mean, I know it was designed for kids, so if mom puts it in her purse with her keys, 
well, those screens are getting scratched up unless you could get like some kind of a pouch to put it in. So I think, you know, as far as the 2DS itself goes, I think it's probably a good upgrade. But as far as if they like needed to do this, like if anybody, if you were really holding out, like I only want to get a 2DS and I only want to get it if it's clamshell, who who is there doing that? Like, I don't really know what the market for this is. Well, I can tell you what they think the market is, Matt. Okay, let me know. So from what I hear through the grapevine is that they're targeting to get six million sold for this next you know year coming year and they're targeting the teens to tweens for this particular purchase six six million seems like a lot to seems me. excessive I mean, considering i everybody i know in this world has a 3ds or a 2ds by now you would think right i mean the numbers they've sold are insanely high that's what i'm saying if you wanted to play a any any kind of DS product, you would probably have it by now, especially considering I think the 2DS, if you went out and got the original 2DS right now, it would probably be only like 100 bucks. I think it's cheaper. I think it's like 89 bucks or something. I don't know. Like I said, if somebody was holding out for something like this, great for them. But like you said, I mean, I've had a 3DS XL for forever. You have as well. And if you didn't want to pay the premium for that, you would just have a 2DS. So why would you get another one? Uh, it just just seems kind of iffy to me. Well, I would say it's a smart idea. And my reason behind this is because the Switch was just released. The Switch is a hybrid console slash handheld. Now, they don't want to give up on the 3DS yet because, obviously, that's what's made them billions of dollars in the last few years, especially after the Wii U's debacle. Oh, yeah. So it's a huge nest that they have sitting there, a very successful, well-built nest. The Switch is performing very, very well right now, and from all looks and accounts, it's going to continue to do so. So this could be their next big, actually, secure nest that's going to get them a bunch of money, but it's not yet. Being smart, I think they were like, well, hey, what do we do to kind of push the Nintendo's DS line one last time one last time without calling it quits yet. I know. Let's make the Clamshell 2DS at a very, very affordable price of 150 So it's kind of the best of the both worlds, like you were saying. It's not that clunky, weird-looking 2DS, but it's not the more expensive 3DS. And, of course, a lot of people have over the years criticized the 3D portion of the, the 3DS, saying they don't want the 3D because they hate it, but the, and so they're not going to pay that kind of a price for 3DS that they don't want to use. But then, of course, don't want a 2DS because it was the clunky tablet-looking, funky-looking thing. So they're like, well, ah, whatever, I'll just pass. This kind of melds those two together, gives it one last oorah, and in a recent interview with the big dog Reggie himself, he said they will be supporting their DS line through next year at least. Now, the new 2DS is $150, good deal. My question is, does it work with all the new 3DS XL games? Does it work with the Amiibos and everything? Well, fantastic question, Matt. Yes, it does work with all new 3DS games, and it does indeed have an Amiibo functionality. So you're good on all those accounts. Now, that does kind of swing my opinion a little bit towards the this is a worthy thing now, because I have, and you have, the quote fingers old 3ds xl Mm -hmm. and they've been coming out with a few games now that have to be played on the new 3ds xl and i mean i'm not an amiibo guy you're not an amiibo guy but if you really wanted that you would have to pay and step up to the big dog so i think if you are really interested in those new 3ds xl games but you don't want to pay the premium of the new 3ds xl 
this is probably a good option for you then. Uh, like I said, you're, you're kind of swinging me just a little bit with that knowledge because there are a couple games that I do want to play that are new 3DS XL only. Mm-hmm. So I might pick this up you know, after a price drop or something, just to play those games. Well, and of course, you could just trade in the 3DS XL towards it, and in theory, that could pick, cover half the price right there. But it's been with me for years. It's my buddy. I, I know. I understand. I'm I not got the special, like, Super Mario one. It's got cool graphics on it and stuff. Uh-huh. So, with all that said, I think Nintendo's being smart in producing this because then they can ride the DS line out to its end with a very nice middle ground DS that True. anybody who didn't pick one up at any point in time can grab a hold of without, you know, being too sad. 150 bucks that's chump change, right? I was just going to say, you know, they've got the Switch out which is a hybrid, but it is 300 bucks plus a game. So you're uh-huh. looking at like 350, 375 something after taxes. So if you just want a portable system, you can grab up the 2DS XL for 150 and then grab up any one of this, you know, this giant litany of games. You can buy them used, you can buy them at a discount, all that stuff, and get yourself a really good, you know, portable collection of games to play on the go. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally switching around. If you haven't, if you don't have a portable system, this is awesome. Yes. Grab that up for 150 grab up, you know, seven to eight to ten games. You may not even be breaking 200 bucks you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And you're going to take home a couple good games, a nice little portable handheld. But the only thing I did want to bring up before we close this out, and it's mm-hmm. got me slightly worried, not too worried, but a little bit, is the fact that I am with some others that I've listened to and heard in recent weeks. I'm in the same bandwagon and saying that I was hoping that Nintendo was going to just jump in 100% with the Switch. And make it known that going forward, the Switch is your handheld. The Switch is your console. And then retire the DS line, you know, at the end of this coming year. And then, boom. That way everybody knows, hey, if I want a portable, I need the Switch. And then letting developers know if they want to make portable games, they need to develop them for the Switch. Because that would, A get all the sales focused on the Switch, B, get all those developers, because there's a lot of third parties on the you know DS line where, of course, they're still sitting back, and they're starting to move forward, but they're still sitting back watching the Switch, seeing where it's going and what's mm. going to be good to develop, You know what games will be good to put on the Switch you know, to make them money. So I feel like that would have been a great way to just say, look, this is where we're going. We are confident in this system, we believe in this system, and we want it to work as both your console and handheld, and here's how confident we are. We're retiring the DS line, and you're going to develop for this or bust. But of course, as a business, they're not going to. I was going to say, I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, if you have two revenue streams, and you've, you've guaranteed that you have one through the end of this year and through next year, if you have two revenue streams, never shut down one of them just to focus on one. Unless that revenue stream's already dead. But obviously it's not. But obviously everyone it's has not. a DS. Again, I get what you're saying, and you want to pump up that new console. You want to make it succeed. I think the only thing they could do is have less big first-party releases on the DS and throw all that money and focus into the Switch. But you can't just... If you got two bags of money, you don't throw one out the window and just focus on your big bag. You don't yeah. throw away one to try to hope that it all comes back on the other bag. I yeah. get it. Here's what I, last closing thought on it, and you can comment, obviously, mm. is 
here's an idea I think would work to solve both these issues. Is uh, when the eShop's up and running full storm, make it so that you can purchase any 3DS games or the new 2DS games, whatever you want to call them, on your Switch as well via the eShop. So therefore, I can officially retire my 3DS XL, go sell it, get a hundred bucks, whatever it is for it, and then boom, I can go onto the eShop, purchase any of those games I wish to purchase, whatever, and now I, as a consumer, can officially make my Switch my handheld slash my console game of choice, or system of choice, whatever you want to call it. I 100% agree with that. But my only counter to that is people have been saying that since the Wii days. I personally, at least, have been saying that if I could download DS games, original DS games, on my Wii and play it, you know, you just have two screens there and you'd point it, you know, you'd use your Wii pointer mm-hmm. for the bottom screen. I would totally sell my handhelds and just buy everything and buy everything again on the Wii so I can just play it on the big screen at home. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't take my 3DS out a whole lot because... What am I going to do, sit there at work playing it? Eh. So, yeah, I I agree with that. I would totally suggest that they do that. But then again, now you just have to think, well, if they did that now, nobody would buy the new 2DS XL. So I think once you get a few, you know, a few months down the road with that, you could do that. But again, if they wanted to, they would have done it years upon years ago. So I don't think it would happen, but I agree that it's an awesome idea because I would love it too. I don't think it's out of the question because, like you were saying earlier, there's your handheld portable guys, there's your Switch guys and gals. They're not in two distinctly separate camps, but there are those who, hey, you know, I can only afford to get my kid this portable console, you know, I mean, he's not messing with the Switch, etc. But yeah. you also have those who buy both or those who are only on the Switch. I don't think it would be stealing too much from John to pay Peter if they did that route. And it's not unheard of. If you remember on the GameCube, they created the expansion, the little expansion, I don't remember what it was called anymore, where you could play your game. Uh, game Boy Player. Yeah, where you could play your Game Boy games. And I own it to this day, actually. And uh, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world because putting it in a good old Game Boy Castlevania and playing it on the big screen, oh, that was just fantastic. Well, see, again, I... I agree with that because I had that Game Boy player, and I always wanted the Super Game Boy as well. But now, now we're just taking it back. Yeah, well, they had it. They, they had it for those two systems, and then they stopped. So mm-hmm. apparently, they feel like there's not money to put into that. I think the the only issue I would say with that is there's there was no spot to put it on the Wii or the Wii U, and now the Switch because Switch uses different card shape, right? It's it's the little tiny cards. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say add it to the system, but the eShop was. What I was referring to, just strictly. No, I know. I'm I'm just saying, I think they've kind of fallen off of that because there wasn't an easy, just bolt-on system thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why they stopped thinking about it. But like I said, I've wanted it on the eShop for years. I think, I'm sure other people have too because you know, the functionality is basically the same. Especially unlike the Wii U. You had a little tablet, just make two screens. Boom, mm-hmm. boom. You have you have a touch screen on this one now. It'd be, it'd be easy. So I... I don't know why they don't do it. I think it would be a good idea, but I don't see it happening just because it hasn't happened. So, yeah, oh, man, I don't like hearing that. But anyways, <laughs> there it is, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Now we're sad. Now I'm sad. Oh, I, <laughs> I was gonna say I, I was down, then you brought me way up, and now I'm sad again. Yeah, Damn it, Eric. I, I do my best. 
Oh, goodness. So look forward to July 28th if you're interested in the new Nintendo 2DS XL. And if you're not, go buy a Switch. So yeah, other than that, I guess it's just time for the wrap-up. Imposters Wrap-Up. So as always, as you heard in the intro, this podcast is brought to you under the Third Shift Network. So if you guys got any questions for us, any concerns, any comments, if you have topics you want us to cover, let us know. Hit us up via email at info at thirdshift.me. Tweet at us at thirdshiftme, or you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. And this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 16th of May for our very next episode. And I guess other than that, unless you got anything. No, I got something, I think. Um, oh, don't, don't forget, forget to, to save. save.